Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. This is show number 90, released on June 27th, 2012. My name is Steve Eunice, and I'm joined by my good friend, Scotty V. Hey, Scott. Hello, everyone. How's it going? It's going well. Um, you've uh, really been riling up the uh, the fandom out there with some of your uh, great Scott videos of late. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe I should cut back a bit, scale it back. You know, I uh, <laughs> I'm told that I'm oftentimes uh, argumentative. I'm not really attempting to be that way. I just uh, but you're right, and they're wrong. I'm, well, <laughs> what can I say? You know, <clears throat> uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I think that it starts in one place and it ends up in another. I mean, uh, uh, the same. Oftentimes, the same people who get riled up are the same people who are the ones who continue to go at me that Batman is cooler and better and and is well thought out and he's a strategist and it makes perfect sense that he should be able to take out Superman. And uh, I just don't – it really – you know, people talk about being taken out of the the world when Mm. they watch a movie or a TV show by something that just doesn't sit right. And I realize we're watching shows about people who can spin webs and – and fly around and, and, and people who, you know, can have any gadget they want because they're that rich. And it's not the real world. I know this. Sure. I'm not looking for the real world. I'm looking to be immersed in the story and be able to buy it. And yeah. as I've said on many of the great Scots, I think every once in a while a story could come about where a regular human being triumphs. And, and oftentimes that's all we see in movies and, and TV mm. shows. It's yep. about how – uh, the human spirit and, and the human the ability is able to, to yeah, is, is is able to beat the odds. So when you when you have a Batman story every two weeks where he's beating the odds and destroying the entire Justice League and mm-hmm. taking on Superman and and uh, and people are like, well, why doesn't that make sense? Uh, it seems to me that they're playing dumb just for the sake of uh, trying to uh, annoy put, Superman yeah. fans. Or so put Batman on that pedestal. Yeah, I come back at them, and uh, sometimes. <laughs> They don't like it, I guess, you know. But uh, Uh, hey, uh, I like Batman too, to be completely honest. I said it in one of the vids. I mean, I like, uh, he's not my favorite. I like Mm. all superheroes. You know, I will see any movie um, that looks good, that's about a superhero, uh, whether it's my favorite or not. And, uh, you know, I look forward to every story I'm going to read. Now, talking about about that. Yep, now talking about Superman, or talking about movies, uh, we always like to start off with the movie topics. And uh, we've had some pretty big news about Man of Steel. We're now down to within the 12-month the countdown of uh, when the movie will be released. Uh, we're you know, in the end of June recording this, and it will be June next year that uh, we'll be seeing the movie. And uh, this past month, we've had quite a bit of news, as I said. The, probably the biggest one was uh, the fact that Hans Zimmer will be scoring the movie. Yeah, that's a big name. Yeah, well, I mean, he's obviously been tied up very closely with Nolan, having done all the Batman films and Inception, and obviously has such a large list of, of movies that he's scored, that he's done the music for, um, you know, from everything from Lion King, um, you know, right up to, like I said, Inception, and uh, and has been, you know, nominated for, for Oscars, and and uh, is is really one of the big names in, uh, in movie scores, uh, you know, as a composer. And, um, you know, if there's anybody that could, you know, live up to uh, the Superman theme by John Williams, I'm guessing Hans Zimmer is the the go-to man at the moment. Well, I mean, uh, I find myself hoping. I think think that I'm hoping uh, against hope because based on 
what I have heard with the with the Batman theme, and, and maybe it'll be different since Superman is supposed to be a more optimistic, positive mm-hmm. character. But uh, I actually, this was another um, kind of um, disagreement I got into with a Batman fan. Uh, that that is that uh, you you can walk out of these Batman movies humming a theme, and uh, yeah, I don't. I don't find that I can do that. No. I don't feel that there is a uh, definitive theme. I feel like there's a lot of dark riffs and mm-hmm. there are some interesting motifs, but there I don't I don't really find that there's a uh, da, 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 da. <laughs> I don't there's nothing like that. Yeah. Um, um, uh, you know, as much as the campy Adam West show was, um, everybody and their mother. And now some of the kids know that theme song. Um, and not that you would have that in a serious movie, but <laughs> exactly. Um, so it's my turn uh, to sing behind you while you talk. Well, of course, <laughs> uh, we got to take our turns on this. It's a back and forth kind of a relationship. Um, but yeah, and and you know, obviously, all the John Williams movies, everybody knows the Jaws theme. Everybody knows uh, Superman and, and and Raiders of the Lost Ark and, and Star Wars yeah. because these are. Iconic, you know, yeah. You know, massive themes. I don't really think, and and I'm not. I by no means am I a uh, orchestral music um, specialist, but uh, I I don't know any Hans Zimmer theme song that I could sing to you right now. But Fair if enough. you if if you mentioned uh, to uh, many people, not even specifically Superman fans, uh, do you know the Superman music? And yeah. started singing it with them, they would eventually catch up and they would know what it was. Yeah. Um, because they're they're you know. So I mean, I hope uh, and I hopefully it's for me it's different than than. Uh, but this goes along the same line as uh, the movie being infused with Nolanism uh, from the beginning. Hopefully, it's not as as drab and dark and and no, just uh, much of a downer as the Batman movies were. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we wait to see just what Hans Zimmer does with the uh, the musical score for Man of Steel. Um, you know, there are some people who think that he still might include some of the the, you know, the John Williams theme, like just with, like, say, with James Bond. You know, you get different creators, uh, different um, composers come on for each movie, but they still have that basic, um, you know, uh, James Bond theme that they can uh, include in the movie, and, and maybe Hans Zimmer will decide to do that. Uh, you know, same with Harry Potter. There's an ongoing Harry Potter theme that even though different composers came on for all different all eight movies... Um, you know, certain themes, certain elements of uh, of the Harry Potter theme were were used. Right. Yeah. I mean, I could see that, and it doesn't. It, you know, it makes sense from a certain standpoint if you look at it from the James Bond view, because uh, there were many James Bond movies in many different eras, and different uh, you actors. could almost you could almost say that uh, these new movies are starting over, and yet they're more modern and in the modern time. Yep. Uh, and when they reintroduced James Bond uh, as played by. Uh, the guy who's playing him now, I can't think of his name uh, off the top of my head, but uh, he, uh, they didn't even play the main theme until the very end. Mm. Uh, well, I think when the credits went. Yep. Um, same with the new Star Trek movie. Uh, they Daniel played Craig, the, uh, the, the old, uh, yeah, they played the old uh, television theme song to Star Trek at yep. the end of the movie, yep. which was neat. It was nostalgic. It was a cool way to kind yeah. of bring it in. And now maybe in the sequel, they'll have a, a few more strains, but you still have new music as well. Yeah. Um, it's very definitive, the Superman theme. My only concern is that it's uh, it's too t- tied into Donner and, and Christopher Reeve and, and, uh, and that uh, Superman Returns had trouble getting out from under that umbrella. Uh, now, part of that, of course, was that it certainly seemed like they were uh, 
going for that, not just with the music, but no, they were they everything. You know, they were a part of that series, even though it's been twenty years or whatever. So uh, hopefully, if they do that, it's it's kind of in really big moments or heroic moments or mm. at the end or in the credits or, yeah. uh, but also at the same time that Zimmer is able to come up with his own definitive, uh, you know, there's, there are two different schools of thought on this. I think at least that I have one is you're John Williams and you're a theme song writer. Yep. He also scores the movie, but almost every theme, almost every character has their own separate theme. You know, you look at one of those old star Wars records, I used to have them, the ones with the fold-out, uh, you know, uh, album covers, yep. um, and they had all the songs listed, and then they were named after either a place or a person, and yeah. you could remember in the movie exactly where that theme song was, and it gave you that Mos Eisley Cantina feeling, and you yep. knew that that's what you were playing. Same with the Kent theme. Uh, it, <laughs> there it is. I don't know if anybody will be able to hear it, but Steve's a little shy sometimes when it comes to his singing. Oh, I didn't want to be rude. Though. You know, um, but yeah, uh, so, so I, I haven't bought any of the Hans Zimmer soundtracks, so mm-hmm. I don't know if he it and seems to me too. he's less a theme songwriter and more a movie scorer, which sure. might make him more uh, respected or valuable or, or, or consider, you know, among his peers, he might be considered um, less, uh, I don't know, kitschy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, kind of like that "Call Me Maybe" song that's out now, and everybody's jumping around about. I want to kill myself every time <laughs> I hear it. Uh, but every time my band has a gig, they come up to us several times and they ask for it. And then when we're on break, they play it multiple times on repeat oh, um, because it's this hooky kind of catchy yeah. uh, song. But it's kitsch. I mean, I don't think that she's going to be a big superstar. I don't no, think she's not going to stay know, around forever. Uh, so. A Hans Zimmer, which seems to have more versatility and has the ability to kind of set the whole mood of a film with whatever he's writing, might be exactly what uh, people are looking for when they're thinking of overall talent as opposed to – I love John Williams. Obviously, he's written some of the most fantastic and memorable theme songs, but maybe – they're more theme songs than they are um, a score to a movie. I'm not exactly sure. Again, I'm not an expert on it, but uh, hopefully he has some memorable stuff in there as well as making a really set-toned soundtrack. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. Now, the other stuff that was going on with Man of Steel was that uh, they announced the licensing partners for the film, which uh, was no real surprise. You know, there was obviously things like Lego in there and, um, you uh, you know, other Warner Brothers... Uh, licensing partners that are pretty much standard across their films. Uh, But they also, at this licensing expo that they had there, uh, were the costumes on display, which I thought was very interesting because, you know, for a long time they were trying to hide all the elements of the costume and, you know, you weren't allowed to see what when when, um, uh, Russell Crowe was filming, you know, he'd come out from the filming and would be in a massive big black overcoat thing or, um, you know, almost like a snuggy kind of thing that would uh, hide whatever costume he was wearing underneath. Uh, but now here they are. These costumes are on display in glass cabinets for everyone to see and take photos of. And we saw the Superman costume up close. We saw Jor-El's costume and what I'm assuming was Feora's costume all on display there at the licensing expo. Yeah, I think what, what happens is, especially in this day and age, you know, you, you get to a point where you realize that it's, that it's, that it's no longer uh, George Lucas time back in the day when he was able to film Empire Strikes Back under a different name and nobody had any idea what he was doing. Mm. Uh, there are internet people all over. There are people with phones. There are people with, I think that pictures, enough pictures, enough photos, enough 
steals of the set were showing up and and the idea that there may be more leaks and there may be more things coming out and, and people saying, well, what is this costume? You know, it looks like he's a uh, 80s rock band guy. What's the deal? And they, I think... They maybe want to they want to put their own spin on it and and try to make it look a little more regal and a little more impressive yeah. than uh, in some of these. You know, it's the same as when we were getting early shots of uh, of Cavill in the suit and people were saying, "Look at his legs! Look how skinny they are! Look at this! Look at that! Look how blurry it is! Why doesn't he have a cape?" Um, because people are just getting bits and pieces. You yeah. know, you get a I'm shot when Russell Crowe turns around and 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 now the robes open a little bit and mm. you can see the inside of it slightly but it doesn't really give you the whole sense of what they're going for and i think uh, i love that they're on display and i thought all the pictures were great yeah and it gives that real neo-medieval feel that they've been talking about for krypton with Jarrell's costume and Feora's costume you really get a sense of of you know a dark and gritty type of costume and uh and they have a you know a, a, a a certain look about them that is quite unique. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I really well, like it. Superman, I, anyway. I think it's, um, and I like Superman's uniform. Mm-hmm. I know that a lot of fans are still upset that uh, it looks different, but I mean, I, I, I don't have the same issues that a lot. A lot of people seem to have the issue that it looks like something out of an '80s Marvel comic. I keep hearing that. Um, same with the new Fifty Two uniform in the comics, but I mean, I, I just think it looks a little more like maybe something that he based on his home planet's heritage, and uh, it looks kind of cool. It looks functional. Um, I like the extra texture on it. I said the same thing about the Returns uniform. Mm. I like the extra texture. I, I think that, um, uh, and I really, I don't, I, I don't believe that anybody really thinks we could pull off just plain sky blue tights. Yeah movie uh you know we're just not in that age anymore uh, anymore yeah yeah i don't think and and i also hear uh, uh people make make fun of the fact that uh, that cavill's suit might be molded to look more muscular and again uh they did it they've done it with almost every superhero um in the modern age exactly. you know when christopher reeve made the movie uh they had a real problem with making any type of physical musculature show through plain tights. So they did give him shoulder pads and they did give him some padding. And and that's not necessarily to say uh, he's a skinny runt and didn't train. He did have training as well and he was bodybuilding. He was a little larger. But he was a much lankier, thinner, skinnier Superman than, say, Dean Cain or Henry Cavill. If you've seen pics of Henry Cavill with his shirt off in some of those shots – the guy is pretty muscular oh, and definitely. pretty big, and more so than Christopher Reeve ever was, from my point of view. Yep. Uh, and I, I hear people saying, "Well, Christopher Reeve didn't need padding," and I think again that that's people that are still trying to hold on to Chris Reeve and, and say he was the best and he'll always be the best, and and that's fine. Everybody has their own feelings on it, and I know we miss him, and you know it was part of our youth and our growing up and our lives. You know, but it's 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 later now, and it's time to hopefully move on so that Superman can can be back where he belongs, in my view, and that's at the top with box office success and people happy that he's there and, yeah. and toys and everything else. Exactly. So, uh, and, and I think these costumes are a nice step in that direction, and and uh, you know, having some molding on it so that it looks more impressive is is not I don't I don't think is really a problem. Yeah, it's not doesn't it's not detrimental to ha- to Henry Cavill. It's not. Uh, a slight on him of any kind, you know. 
Christopher Eve wore wigs in, in some you know in some of the films and um, you know George Reeves wore a girdle towards the end of his career. I mean, there are always enhancements, whether they can be seen or not seen. There are always or known or not known. It, this is we're talking about make believe. We're talking about movie magic, you know. So it's uh, you know Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill isn't really going to fly. Uh, they're going to have to use wires. He's not. Or, no, you know it's. Oh, next you're going to tell me there's no Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, well, your da- are your daughters asleep? Uh, yes, they are. <laughs> uh, don't say it though. Don't say it. I don't. I will not accept it because I watched the, the Superman, Lois and Clark show, and and Clark looked out the window and saw Santa Claus. Yeah, and, and he turned up in Smallville sleigh. too. It was there. So you know, let's not. Uh, nice. Just you know, just simmer down. Exactly. And, uh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> now, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, as far as that, uh, it's not. It's not. You know, you were saying it's not detrimental to Henry Cavill or whatever. Uh, You know, these these we are human beings, and Superman Superman. is not a human being, and he's he's pretty much the perfect specimen of a man. Now, to to make that look as plausible as we can, we sometimes need to have enhancements Mm -hmm. and 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 things of that nature. You know, so it's not all that far out to uh, to uh, up the ante. You know, uh, these movie stars they wear makeup too. By the way, yeah, Uh, yeah, I saw her. You know, so <laughs> now uh, moving away from Superman, from Man of Steel, uh, there's been talk about a Justice League movie for a wh- quite a while now, and uh, a Variety uh, actually reported that uh, Will Beale, who I've not heard too much of, but he's uh, supposedly been signed on as the scriptwriter for a Justice League movie, and um, yeah, we'll just wait and see what happens there. Will Beale, well. The name doesn't exactly strike fear into the hearts of men, but uh, uh, hey, we're all excited about the possibility of a Justice League movie, especially after uh, the Avengers and, and, and the Avengers' success. Now, I guess Warner Brothers, or or the rumor is that Warner Brothers said that this guy was hired in anticipation <clears throat> for knowing that the Avengers was going to be such, such a success and that they wanted to get started on their own version um, of a superhero team-up movie, uh, but clearly all this talk of, of a Justice League movie is is based on the idea that the Avengers was so successful, and and any business, any company would want to tap into that and try to have some of that uh, for themselves. Yeah. Now, uh, like I said, Will Bill, we didn't really know his name between you and I, but uh, the Variety report he says that he's the scriptwriter for the Gangster Squad, which neither of us have seen. And but he's also uh, a bit of a favourite there at Warner Brothers at the moment because he's writing the Lethal Weapon reboot and also a remake of Logan's Run, which are probably very big deals. Uh, you know, they've both cult, got cult followings and a you know a big name movies. So um, we'll wait and see whether or not this guy has the uh, the writing chops to to do a Justice League movie justice. Well, I uh, I love the Lethal Weapon movies. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's you know it's a lot of reboots going on nowadays, and yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I think I think being that we have modern effects now, and and movies can be made on computers, and you can do just about anything. Uh, I think something like Logan's Run may benefit from from the idea that we can now have the monsters, the effects, whatever it is that they have in there that that weren't present in the original movie. Mm-hmm. They also changed the uh, the story for the in the original movie and and, and made the age different. Uh, and and some some fans of the movie were dis- of the book were disappointed that it wasn't so. Uh, they have a chance here to kind of remake it in a more um, true. Uh, way uh, true to the to the story way uh, that they might be going for. So uh, you know we'll see as he moves on with 
those projects, uh, how his scripts come out, and, and I guess it's not officially announced yet, but no. uh, the idea that he is going to write it. Uh, and also, we don't know when it's happening or if it's happening. I still stick to the idea that it might be beneficial to kind of build up the franchise the way they did with Avengers before they just jump right in. But I, I understand the idea of a quick fix. I understand the idea of, of hoping to get paid paid now rather than later but uh mm. you know you may find that when you take the quick easy way out it doesn't quite work the way that the longer harder road does no and we know that uh, these kind of things can fall over pretty quickly i mean the, a previous justice league movie had actors cast and shipped out to australia and and now we're you know uh, well within their you know the well on their way towards making the movie and then the pin got pulled so um, you know, anything can happen at any time with any movie uh, before it. Uh, you know, you, it's not really official until it's on the big screen. Indeed, who knows what's going on? Yeah. Now, uh, talking about movies uh, that are not on the big screen but on the small screen, well, depending on what size screen you've got, Superman versus the Elite, uh, the Blu-ray and DVD release from uh, Warner Brothers. Uh, the animated film was. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but I've. I've, I've put up my review on the website and I've got to say it's probably the most adult of all the Superman animated releases uh, to date. Well, that is, uh, that is very uh, high praise. I, I have not seen it yet. Um, a time just seems to be flying by. I mean, I remember uh, being excited about this several months ago and saying, really? It's that much time away and, and here it's already coming oh, gone. It's already out and I don't have it yet. <laughs> um, uh, you know, you would you would think that the day it was released, I would be on board. I just, I had no idea it came up on us this yeah, quickly. Yeah, it did. Um, and you would think, and I've heard uh, from, from a lot of different people who say they either liked the movie or kind of thought it was okay or whatever, uh, that, that the animation is definitely not their favorite and, and we were That's... hearing that before it was released. You would think by looking at the way it looks, that it would not be the most adult um, movie released as of yet. But uh, your claim is that it does. Yeah, uh, the, the only down point of the whole film is the design of the characters. The it, it, I think what they were doing, I don't know, whether they thought that the, the material of this film was too adult and then they thought they need to kit it down by having a more animated, cartoony style to lessen the impact of the, you know, of the actual you know uh, story elements i don't know if that was their thinking or not but it's probably one of the more cartoony looking uh character designs for the film for any of the animated films uh but yet the content the story uh are quite adult you know you've got people being killed you've got uh you know i mean we're talking about the atomic skull actually drains the life out of people and they just kind of melt away and you know uh then you've got the the elite uh you know just killing people and uh and there's uh, wanton destruction, and there's a lot of uh, harsh language, uh, and um, you know even Superman's not uh, doesn't shy away from uh, using uh, you know a swear word or, or, or two here or there. So um, it's um, it's quite brutal in the story, and, and it matches the original story from Action Comics seven seventy five quite well. And you would think that it would, seeing as though. Um, uh, the the writer who uh, Joe Kelly who wrote the original comic book uh, did the screenplay ad- adaptation for the film, um, so he stays very true to his original story, and uh, it's it's like I said it's quite brutal and quite adult in its content, but unfortunately the animation style and the character designs uh, don't match that. Well, that's, I mean, obviously we knew about the animation uh, yeah. going in, and that, so that's unfortunate. But, I mean, I think it's a stylized thing, and 
Um, and based on what you're saying, it probably uh, I'm probably going to be okay with it because of the actual content that's there. I remember watching the old uh, Superman uh, animated series, and one of my favorite character arcs was the the parasite mm-hmm. at least in the early episodes i thought it was really neat the way they brought him to life on screen and uh the one thing that always that i always laughed at when i watched it was that he would drain these people and then they would always make sure that the camera went back to the person and showed their head fall over or their <laughs> eyes blink or their breathing or you know they'd sigh or so that we knew in a kid's show that they weren't they weren't killed whereas mm-hmm. it whereas if they wouldn't have gone back we could still say maybe they weren't killed or maybe they were. You could take it however way you wanted. But but I guess based on uh, ratings and, and what they had to do back then and, and who the show was uh, meant to be watched by, they had to go back and show us that, uh, you know, the, the people weren't dead. So I, I, not that I'm an advocate of people dying, but I, I like the idea that it's more dire, it's more serious, and, and it takes on a more – um, uh, you know, you got to be more urgent if you're Superman. That 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 people are really uh, people's lives are really at stake, and something real is going on. Yeah, I was interested in the fact that you know, with all, a lot of these other animated films, you know, from back with uh, the the uh, the one with that uh, Darwin Cooks, uh, the, what was it, the Justice League, something, New Frontier, New Frontier, and then even with uh, Superman, Batman, they used um, you know the style from the comic books. Um, and this one, they just went away totally from the style of the comic book story. And I mean, even that story in itself had a, a particular style that was quite different to you know the other comic book uh, artists. But um, they strayed, qu- you know, quite a bit from the original style of the art from that comic book, uh, which is something that they've kind of tried to, to you know, they've actually tried to stick to the comic book artwork seen in the original comic books that these movies are based on. And yet here they were, totally went the opposite way. It was an interesting move, um, as you said before. I, I can't. I wonder if it's if it's because they were trying to lighten it up in, yeah. in tone, That's where where the, the story itself is, is is much darker and heavier. Yeah. You know, a lot of younger kids, at least what we hear from the people who aren't Superman fans, that Superman is for for babies and for kids, mm. and he's not adult, and um, uh, do uh, tend to get excited when they see a cartoony looking Superman. And want you know their pa- want their parents to get it for them, and and uh, this might not be the way to go if that's what you're looking for. But they might have thought that with the look of it, it might attract uh, some parents who don't know anything about it to to get it for their kids. Yeah, and it's always interesting that the cover images don't match the artwork inside, so you can't even say oh, if they saw it on true. the shelf, they might think that this looks cartoony because the the design of the cover is nothing like either the comic That's book true. or the, uh, the animation style. So I don't know. When I saw that cover too, I thought, wow, this looks like, you know, and I was hoping that that would be the animation. Yeah, that wouldn't have been then, bad, yeah. And then when they released the other animation, I thought, hmm. That's okay. weird that uh, they did that. But, yeah, you're right. So I guess that theory goes down the tubes. But that's okay. <laughs> it's not surprising. I mean, if you listen to any of the comments of people who have watched my Great Scott segments, I'm generally wrong and uh, ill-informed anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> No, but they do that with all the covers, really. I haven't seen one cover that it matches the artwork inside, um, except for, say, Young Justice and those ones. But I'm talking about the animated films. Uh, the young, The artwork for the cover seems to have been done either before or by a totally different artist and um, and never really matches what's uh, actually in the film. So I don't, maybe that's just a creative choice. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Or, you know, it could be that they are trying to um, interest other people 
yeah. by the by by the cover. You know, yeah. they a lot of times uh, we have reviews of, of of the monthly comic books on the site, and and a lot of times you'll hear Michael Bailey or somebody say, you know, this cover is not. I mean, something that would pull me if I wasn't buying these books to review for the site, or if I wasn't collecting Superman books, I would yeah. not buy it based on based this on cover, cover because yeah, you know, and the cover is something that with comic books is supposed to be on the shelf and make you want to look at it, you know? So I think maybe the same thing can be happening with uh, movie covers. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Well, let's move away from movie discussions and there's only been two, uh, young justice, new episodes that have aired, uh, since our last podcast. Uh, there's no new, um, young justice episodes for most of June. And I haven't seen the schedule for July as yet, so we'll keep an eye on the website for uh, our Superman on TV uh, weekly news articles in regards to upcoming uh, episodes that are on TV in a given week. But uh, let's discuss episode six of season two, which was titled Bloodlines, uh, which saw Bart Allen come from the future. And um, there was some interesting uh, developments there with the real Roy Harper being found. And... Um, uh, yeah, what, what did you make of this episode? Well, I just got to say, going in, when you have two episodes like these two episodes... You don't need any more. <laughs> uh, you don't need any more episodes. Uh, eventually you do, but I mean, these are so good. Yeah. And I, I'm so pleased because, you know, who cares about Green Arrow? Who cares about the fourth Flash? But I do yeah. in these stories. I mean, these are written so well. That I mean, anyway, obviously, some people are fans of Bart Allen, you know. But I mean, specifically, if you're going to pick a favorite character, generally it's going to be Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, you know, Green Lantern. It's going to be the ones we know, the ones that are big. It's not going to be their sidekicks, their third sidekicks, their fourth sidekick. I don't even know how Bart Allen is related. I have no understanding of that. But the story was so good. The mm. story was so deep, and it was another one of those episodes. And they do it so well on this series where. They show you something, you don't know what it is, and then they turn it around, and at the end of the episode, you're looking at something different, and I love it. I yeah. love the way they do it. I, I mean, uh, I've, I've – and I, sometimes you don't want to admit this kind of thing, but I have gotten misty watching more of these episodes than I do on some live-action uh, yeah. TV shows. Fair enough, too, because there's so much character depth to these, to these uh, characters. I mean, they've got – Everyone's got a secret. Everyone's got some kind of an underlying thing that they're not just two-dimensional characters. I mean, yes, they're two-dimensional cartoon characters, but the actual characters themselves, the the in-depth personalities, they're they're you know they've got hidden secrets, they've got agendas, they've got you know relationships, and uh, it's it's just it's not your dad. You know, it's not your granddad's super friends anymore. Not at all. If you, I mean, if you, and and you and I are old enough and also interested enough in this in this genre to have seen those shows. Yeah. But if you if you put this show up against the Super Friends, uh, you don't even know what you're looking at. Yeah. I mean, it's not even, and and it's unfortunate that it's not the main guys. But it almost doesn't matter. These exactly. are these are they're they're written so well yep. that I care about these characters now. I mean, I always kind of was interested in Superboy because he was connected to Superman. But, you know, now I, I want to see what's going on with Miss Martian and I care about Kid Flash. And I'm disappointed that he and Artemis, you know, have, have retired. And it was cool to see him back in action in this. And I felt bad for him when they were kind of showing him up. 
like yeah. and he's nobody he he's nobody he's thinking, you know, exactly and it was, I, I almost it felt to me like the whole batman superman argument the whole like why do we have to make one guy look really bad you know just because the other two are here uh but you know it was cool to see the flash who isn't one of the main people on Young Justice, kind of be a, a, a primary player. Mm-hmm. He was involved. He was a big part of the plot. He was there, you know, and, and it was neat. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, the whole Roy Harper thing still going on. They've got these underlying themes in these plots that have been going on since the beginning of the show. Uh, 26 episodes in the first season and now six episodes in and we find out you know, and that whole Roy Harper thing, you know, through the first season, finding out he wasn't the real guy and now finding out that, you know, the real guy was killed long ago. And now we find out maybe he wasn't. And then here he is. Mm, here he is, minus, an, uh, minus a hand. Uh, and uh, and the, the clone Roy Harper is, is he has a child with Cheshire. So they're blending the, the heroes and the villains aren't necessarily as black and white. As you know, what you grew up with, uh, with the like I said, with the Super Friends and the older cartoons, and you know, <laughs> <they're> really... <laughs> Super Friends, I will destroy you. You know, they really uh, blur the lines. Call, like, villains call them Super Friends. Yeah, <laughs> you Super Friends. <laughs> uh, you do that well. Oh, thank you. Now we move uh, on to uh, episode like, seven. You want to do uh, voiceover work, or you know, you, you're, looking at, you're making the next movie, and you want it to be a little more like the original Super Friends. Give me a call. I'll be yeah. around. Definitely. Now, uh, episode seven, as I was saying, was called Depths. And in this one, we saw a Cape Canaveral launch uh, where they're trying to, you know, uh, install some communication device between Earth and Mars. And there's a bit of, you know, uh, Godfrey's against it and, uh, you know, is on TV, you know, saying, you know, with this all this xenophobia about aliens. And then uh, we see, as you're saying in the previous one, uh, with Kid Flash coming out of retirement, kind of thing. This one, we see Artemis having her turn to uh, go undercover and, and you know get back into the uh, the superhero gig, and uh, we assume that she gets killed. Every time I turn around on this show, I go, I think this was the best episode <laughs> I have ever seen of this show, and it's like every third episode I say that because they keep doing it to me. They keep topping themselves. They keep making. Awesome, awesome, incredible shows, and uh, that whole Artemis killed thing. I, you know, a few a few episodes ago, you know, when when Aqualad was shown as uh, hanging out with Black Manta, and, and and we had no idea how this happened, you know, because we're five years into the future and mm. they skipped over a whole bunch of stuff. I was like, what the hell? Something's got to be going on. There's got to be for some reason during that five year time, the the timeline was changed. We're in an alternate reality. Something's going on. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I said, he's not, he, he's just not what he appears to be. Something is wrong. And, and I don't know what it is, but he is not what he appears to be. And again, a year, two, three years ago, I would have said Aqualad, who the hell cares what Aqualad's doing? I yeah. mean, you know, that's just a goof. That's something they made up just to sell little kids comics. Right. But now I, I trust him. I found him to be a member of the team. I found him to be cool and interesting and somebody that I wanted around. And now they're doing this to me and I say, this can't be right. And, uh, and, and you know, uh, they, the way they open the show, it's so dramatic and quick. And I go, what? You know, and then they come back and we see how it all plays out. And I'm like, oh, okay. I guess yeah. he is. Uh, I'm wrong. There isn't anything wrong. He's just, uh, you know, a uh, really, really bad guy. Uh, and then 
They pulled uh, I, I swear they 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 turned it around on me again. They had me fooled, and I I I, I generally think of myself as a pretty intelligent guy. <laughs> uh, though the the interwebs are starting to prove to me, you know, all of the bloggers and the people who who talk to me are are are, are calling me names and proving to me that I'm not that intelligent based on the things that I say. But uh, and then this show does this to me when I was sure. He couldn't be bad, and then I then they showed me that he really was because of what he did, and then then we then not two minutes later we find out that in fact I was duped again. Yeah, he's a, a double agent, and um, yeah, it, it, I just it's a, a really convoluted, uh, intermingled. It's just there's a lot of threads that are just interwoven, and it's just really well written and uh, well beyond the kid cartoons that uh, that we grew up with on Saturday mornings and. Uh, and you know, it's a fantastic card and very well written, as I said, and just a lot of intrigue there. And you just want to, you know, can't wait for the next episode to find out how it's all going to play out. It's just so great. And then the way that they and the way that they flash back and re-show you from a different vantage point yeah. and and how it happened when, you know, you, go, what, what? you know, we saw this. What, what? Yeah, it's just yeah, it's great. I can't say enough about it. So we wait for uh, Cartoon Network to announce when further new episodes uh, will be uh, revealed on uh, on their Saturday morning. So we wait for uh, further announcements of, around, about Young Justice because we're looking forward to uh, Episode 8 of Season 2 whenever that shall uh, appear on our screen. So uh, keep an eye out on the Superman homepage for that announcement. Now, uh, you haven't caught up on your comic book reading as of yet, but uh, it uh, behooves us to discuss uh, Action Comics number 10, uh, which uh, was the Clark Kent is dead story, and that was the interior title of the of the comic book too. It's just not my notes that I've written down there. Oh well, <laughs> sounds like a story I might have heard from a few years ago. Wasn't there like an all white cover and yeah, a pair of broken was, glasses? Yeah, shiny. Yeah, very. Uh, it was one of one of, the, one of the first comic books I actually ever bought. Uh, was the Clark uh, the death of Clark Kent storyline from the comic books? But uh, in this one. We see uh, this uh, bounty hunter who's been uh, hired to uh, shoot, well, kill Superman. You know, he's. Uh, we saw him in Action Comics number nine at the end. Uh, uh, you know, I think what was he shooting a, a dinosaur or something, or some kind of a uh, an animal creature, yeah. yeah, something. And um, you know, he was someone was saying to him, you know, how would you feel about killing a bulletproof man? And he's saying, oh, there's no such thing as bulletproof. And uh, so he comes to Metropolis to. Uh, Hunt down Clark Kent, who uh, he obviously knows somehow is, is Superman, and um, and and in one of those kind of Young Justice moments, they pull the rug out from from under us, and uh, Clark Kent is killed, but not by this hunter. He's he's killed uh, in another uh, in an explosion, and um, you know Superman comes about and he's still around, but everybody assumes everyone at the Daily Planet, everybody at the Daily Star, think Clark Kent is dead, and they're, I'll be really interested to see how they get this get out of this because well it's uh, one of those things where uh, like in the doomsday thing yeah. uh, it really is nonsensical but I mean Clark went out to cover it or whatever and the excuse was that for the six months Superman was gone he was buried under uh, rubble yeah. and it makes no sense um, but okay yeah. <laughs> somebody doesn't go you know what I think maybe you weren't buried under rubble <laughs> Well, uh, the Daily Planet and Daily Star staff get together and uh, in a nice um, uh, what, additional story that they have at the backs, back of the backup story in these issues, 
Um, they're all, you know, giving their, um, their, you know, anecdotes about Clark and what a great guy he was and some of the things he did. And, and um, you know, he's watching from a distance, uh, listening to all these great stories being told about him. And uh, I just, I'm really keen to find out how they're going to uh, get out of this one or what they're going to do for, for Clark Kent to be able to... Do they to have return. a body? I mean, did they find a body in the rubble? No, well, no, not that I'm... I don't recall that they did, but uh, he was so going to like, stop a guy like from uh, committing suicide and, exp- and, you know, like suicide bomber, and uh, yeah, he was right next to him when he exploded, so... I don't know how they're going to get out of it. <laughs> and the whole building came down, and there was, a, yeah, well, the, you know, the foyer area, the whole, you know, the whole uh, front of the building was destroyed. So, but it seems like they'll just do the same thing. Oh, I was under the rubble. I'm fine. Yeah, I lived on a, a puddle of water for six months. That's right. <laughs> In this case, it doesn't have to be six months because yeah, it could be a couple. Of Superman's weeks. actually still around, so you know, but. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like something. I don't know if they're going to do that. Again. Yeah, I mean, that seems like the easy way out, but. Um, you know, we are talking about Grant Morrison, so uh, who knows? Exactly. Now, uh, Supergirl number 10 uh, sees the conclusion of the Banshee story. And, um, you know, we've got the Black Banshee, who is the, the father of uh, Siobhan Smythe, who is the Silver Banshee. And um, Supergirl gets, uh, at the in issue number nine, gets sucked into the uh, Black Banshee and is... Um, in this issue, seem to be having a nightmare of some kind that's uh, made up of uh, memories from Krypton with her mother and some of the things that, uh, some of the memories that she had with her mother, some of the events that they shared together. But they're twisted with a you know, more sinister note and uh, Supergirl realises that uh, they're not memories, that they are, you know, they didn't ha- that happen the way that uh, they're playing out now. And so she realises it's the Black Banshee at work and she recalls the fight and she recalls being... Uh, so, you know, um, subsumed by him and taken inside of him, and um, she, you know, fights within. And uh, Siobhan's brother is in there as well because we remember he got sucked in as, in as a boy to try to save Siobhan, and uh, it all plays out. And um, you know, uh, together they save the day. And the Silver Banshee ends up actually um, consuming uh, the Black Banshee, so she's more powerful now. But the sight of her brother brings her back to. Uh, her, uh, you know, um, persona as Siobhan, and uh, the three of them fly away as the uh, police or the government with helicopters once again come in to uh, try to uh, bring down Supergirl and, and, and take her into custody. What I like about this is, and you were talking about it with the Young Justice show, is that all of the characters, uh, maybe the mains uh, have even had less development than a lot of the villains and secondaries in this new relaunch so far. And maybe that's because they feel like people already know the popular characters and they're mm-hmm. trying to flesh out other people. But uh, the idea that the villains aren't aren't just one note to kind of, oh, I'm a bad guy because I'm bad. Yeah. Um, that, that it almost seems like it's more of a, a fight, more of a struggle to try and stay uh, a reasonable person and try and try and fight this darkness and, and, and kind of um, make your, forge your own way as opposed to just saying, well, I'm the Silver Banshee, so I'm going to do what my dad was doing or, yeah. or whatever. No, I've, uh, it's probably the, uh, my, my favorite version of the Silver Banshee to date because they've fleshed out her character and, you know, it's just not just, oh, I'm cursed by my family tradition and that's, that's who I am. Um, you know, she has a real character um, 
uh, you know, her, her alter ego is someone that is very likable and seems to be someone that can really befriend Supergirl, especially because she can actually speak any language that she hears, she can automatically speak it, so she's able to communicate with Supergirl in Kryptonian, which uh, to this point in time, you know, Supergirl's felt very isolated because she doesn't understand English and nobody can understand her, so uh, to have a friend who she can actually speak to um, and have that be... Uh, Siobhan Smythe, who is the Silver Banshee, just adds a real element to uh, the Supergirl book. Now, that is still a bit of a bother, though, and I've heard uh, Jeffrey Bridges uh, mention it several times, um, and maybe it's just that both these characters are extremely busy. I mean, after all, Clark Kent is dead in his book, but uh, how... how I, what, what, it's almost like the Young Justice thing that I had a problem with last year, that Superman just doesn't seem like Superman. He seems like a guy who is uh, just kind of lackadaisical uh, when it comes to, and, 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 and uh, you know, non-apathetic when it comes to people who are related to him. You know, why isn't he confronting Superboy? Why isn't he helping Supergirl? Why isn't he, she doesn't have to feel isolated because she has uh, two other relatives or at least semi-relatives that could be talking to her. And, and it's, I understand it's their own books. It's the same kind of thing with Young Justice. The show is about the Young Justice members. It's not about Superman and Wonder Woman, but it, it just kind of makes them look less the great heroes we thought that they were when they seemingly ignore these young people who are having a lot of trouble. Yeah, and it, it just comes down to, I guess, company logistics. You know, in a real-world situation, these Superman would be around Supergirl and would be helping her, and would. But obviously, intercompany things with you know, no, this is my book. I'm writing it. This character can't appear because he's in this world. Or he's being written by this other writer, and yeah, it it doesn't really make sense. But I guess that's just the way it is. And these writers obviously want to be able to do their own thing with the character without having other characters come in you know it's the, the old argument you know with justice league elite with the movie um why didn't superman call on the rest of the justice league to help him well you know because it's called superman versus the elite <laughs> exactly uh, but in league that movie we we see that there's no justice league and superman's the only guy but and they could have done that when they launched this if this was going to be an issue and a problem they could say that each individual character is by themselves except in the Justice League book, but then that's a separate world where they're in the Justice League, but they don't do that. They they talk about all the other happenings, and they know the other characters, and they know of them, and yet they're never involved, yeah, except well, when they want to do a crossover. Yeah, well, Superman, like as you know, did appear uh, uh, with Supergirl in one issue, and then it was kind of like she didn't believe him, and so... And, she and so she, he said, ah, who cares about her? And she he punched him away, well. and yeah. And then she met Superboy, and then, you know, she called him Connell and gave him his name of... Uh, which means abomination. So now he's using that <laughs> as his moniker, and uh, yeah, that's what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I understand your your problem with it. But I, you know, I guess it's just something that they do within a company. That the it's just the way it is. Um, no real rhyme or reason about it. But uh, we, with uh, we, it kind of comes down to the, to our next topic, which is the Smallville comic book. And uh, you know, during the 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 whole Smallville TV series run, they were trying to bring in Batman all the time and they couldn't do it because of intercompany, um, you know, problems with licensing. And, you know, we've got a big movie being done with Batman, so you can't use him at the moment because somebody else, you know, from Warner Brothers is using him. But now we see that he will be coming into the Smallville universe uh, via the season 11 comic books. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing. I mean, I think uh, what it was was this whole 
this whole idea that 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 Batman was Nolan's baby, and 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 we're going to make this serious uh, version of Batman, and and Smallville's an alternate u- universe and a different kind of reality, and you can have certain characters come in because they're not being used or whatever, but uh, we don't want to confuse people with Batman, and uh, I, I got to say he looks kind of strange mm. uh, in the solicits we've seen for this new comic book, and a female Robin. Yeah, I heard that's Stephanie. Is mm-hmm. that right? That's right. Yeah, that's kind of an odd way to go for the uh, for the launch of Batman and Robin. Um, but uh, maybe he's already gone through the other Robins, or well, I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, so we'll wait for uh, future issues of Smallville Season 11 to find out. Just I know how, how it's going to play out. <laughs> uh, and I'll just I'll tell you in a quick, uh, a quick uh, yeah. two words. Please. Batman wins. Oh, well, that goes without saying, doesn't it? Well, of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's better. <laughs> Now, uh, to date, the Smallville comic books have been doing very, very well uh, in the sales charts with the digital comic books. Issues 1 and 2 in printed form are now out, and we'll wait for the uh, sales data from those months to see how the printed version has gone. But as far as the digital chapters are concerned, they're topping the sales charts every time I look at uh, the Comixology website and um, iTunes and what have you to see just how the uh, sales of those books are going. And season 11 chapters are always on the top spot. Um, so they seem to be selling very, very well. Uh, to date, chapter 7 was probably the worst of the of the 7 that we've seen so far. Chapter 8 uh, was a lot better. And um, we, it was just out this week. And we will wait for the, uh, the review, which will probably be up on the website as you're listening to this, um, from Mark Pritchard. But um, so far, so good with the Smallville season 11 comic books. So I've been enjoying reading each digital chapter as they come out on a Friday. Just a sad state of affairs when one of the lowest-rated television shows on, dropping steadily from the beginning, um, is selling more comics than other comics that have been around mm-hmm. and that that are, that are supposed to have such a you know a uh, huge fan base or whatever. Um, and I'm I, 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 I'm happy about it in a way because. I like the whole idea of continuing some TV shows and, and you know, but it almost it, – it gives you the false impression that Smallville was super popular. And I mean, it, yes, it lasted 10 years, which also gives you a false impression that it was super popular. Uh, it, it, it was barely living by the end and, and, and it, was, it, was, it was, you know, it was high, I guess, considered on that network – but even on that network, I see a lot of their shows are at five million, six million viewers, and Smallville had two by the end, less than two. Um, and speaking of Smallville, you mentioned that the uh, Silver Banshee in Supergirl Comics is your favorite uh, version of the Silver Banshee, but nothing could possibly be the season ten episode. Uh, was it called Banshee? I think I mean, it was. Uh, so you know, you're just you're, you're throwing all your credibility out the window. Yeah. When you say something. Well, like come on. What about Mixie's Pitlick? You know, surely the Smallville version of <laughs> wow. him was your favorite. Wow. How could he not be? I mean, clearly he's a Russian guy who has some sort of time stopping powers. I mean, uh, but uh, yeah. So uh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of people who are interested. In, a lot of people are saying that the, the Smallville version of of Superman in comic books is you know the the version that they're most familiar with because they're not happy with the new 52 version and so what they're seeing in Smallville's comic books is uh, more in line with the superman that they want to read about yeah i guess i mean again i think that's people really judging based on the look and the idea that they didn't like the whole um uh, back history being thrown out but i mean he to me seems like the same guy yeah 
I mean, he still is who he is. And, he still and he doesn't still, have the red trunks. You know, well, I guess that's where I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so that's what's happening with the Smallville comic books. And in other comic book news, uh, there was rumors going around early on about uh, Dan Jurgens and Keith Giffen being replaced already after six issues uh, on the Superman title, uh, the Superman monthly title. And uh, we found out that Yes, it has been confirmed that Scott Lobdell, who's writing the Superboy monthly title, will come on as the new writer uh, for the monthly Superman title, which uh, had been me bemused. Yeah, and I've heard, uh, and i got to agree to a certain extent, uh, a lot of fans are kind of upset about this because um, we haven't seen a lot of development so far. And uh, a lot of people find that Superboy is the weakest book yep. uh, of the Superman titles. And um, and now we have the guy who has been penning the weakest book uh, coming on to Superman that is the core title. Um, you know, uh, and, and, and people are a little chagrined about this and a little a little upset and a little concerned. Yep. Um, you know, I, 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 I personally have been a little left out when it comes to Superboy. I, I, I wanted to like it, um, but I don't like the art either, so... I mean, hopefully, maybe the art here with Kenneth Rockefeller will will be better, uh, but but with Scott Lobdell as the writer, I'm not sure. Maybe because the story is already in motion, maybe because he already has an established character, whereas Superboy was kind of being rewritten um, as new and different than what we've seen before. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's a little confounding, as you say. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, he hasn't really set the world on fire with the Superboy title, so. Uh, hopefully that's just an aberration in his writing uh, history and uh, that Superman will be uh, you know, better than ever. But uh, September will see the first uh, Scott Lobdell issue, which is the zero issue because it's a zero month in September. And we'll just you know wait and see. Uh, we've seen Kenneth Rockefeller's Superman uh, as an image uh, that will appear on the previews catalogue uh, for that month. So um, and that's the, f- the first and only look we've got to see of what Kenneth will be doing. With Superman, and it looks—it's an interesting look, and it's—you know—I have no problem with his artwork. So uh, I'm just hoping that the writing style of Scott Lobdell is something that we can latch onto. Yeah, I mean, hopefully he'll, he'll pick up when you know when it comes to Superman. We'll have to see. We got to wonder, really, but um, here we are—you know—issue twelve uh, will be uh, Giffen and, and uh, Jurgens's last issue, and it's only in, uh, the last of six issues, and before that. You know, there was the, the, you know, there was, so it's like we've already in thirteen in one year we've already had now we've got three writers taking over uh, the new launch of the book. I mean, does that seem like a plan? Does that seem like something they would have originally been thinking of doing? I I was going to ask you. I, I wonder if it's a one of those things where they. Uh, people aren't able to keep up with the with the deadlines, and mm. they're and they're they're trying to stay on point. Where they said they're always going to come out every month, and they're not going to have delays, even though we've seen delays. Maybe they're they're just you know they're giving these people a chance, and then they say, "Look, uh, we understand that you're an artiste and all, but we need to get these books out there." On time, uh, you know the comic book industry is dying. We're having trouble selling books. We're trying to get this new Fifty Two thing to to really be on the lips of people going into the second year, and 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 we need to have people that can get the books out on time. And and you know, unfortunately, you're not doing that. I don't know if that's the case, uh, but it, it you know, it just seems you're right. It seems odd that they would Could set up a plan to purposely say, well. For these several issues, we're going to have two people, and then we're going to have two new people uh, after six issues, and then we're going to have two new people after that. Hmm. 
So anyway. on the other hand, I don't think creators stay with a book for years and years and years. No, um, but six based months on what at I have time seen, seems yeah. a bit yeah. rushed. Yeah. But uh, we'll be interesting to see what Superboy, what happens with Superboy now that Lobdell's leaving that issue and whether that, that picks up. Um, it'll be interesting to, to keep an eye on both uh, titles uh, as the months progress. Now, uh, as I already mentioned, that uh, Zero issues will be appearing in September, and uh, that'll be interesting. I mean, we're already going back to a previous time uh, after the relaunch was only 12 months ago. So, um, yeah, it's like a restart of a restart. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess it's only going to be for that one issue, yeah, just to see is, kind of a, a little more of the backstory yeah, that maybe some people are missing. Or, you know. Yeah. So uh, that's comic book discussions. Now, uh, in other news, uh, we've had a few video games uh, announced, and uh, and well, the Lego Batman Two DC Superheroes video game is now available. And by all reports, it's uh, it's fantastic. Uh, I'm really looking forward to playing this one. I've enjoyed a lot of the Lego uh, games to date. Um, and this one seems with Superman involved, and with this, you know, being able to freely roam around uh, Gotham, um, and from all accounts, this is the best Superman game to date. <laughs> you know, you actually I'm get sorry, to use Superman's powers. <laughs> He's invulnerable. You, you know, none of the none of the villains can actually do anything to harm Superman. Uh, he's able to fly around freely, use heat vision, use super breath. Um, and uh, he drives the Batmobile incredibly If you well. want him to. Right, yeah. but, um, yep. and, and the Superman theme, you know, starts up every time you launch into the sky. Oh, that's cool. I wasn't sure if that was just something that people added when they, when they uploaded the video or if that was actually uh, in the game. Actually in the game. Nice. That's cool. Yeah, no, so there's a review up uh, on the Superman homepage from, um, for the Xbox 360 version. Uh, I'll personally be getting the Wii version, so um, you know, hopefully it's uh, it's very similar uh, gameplay. And uh, yeah, so if you're interested, uh, Lego Batman Two DC Superheroes is out now and uh, is supposedly well worth it. So uh, check that out. But we did get an announcement about an in, a game coming up in 2013 called Injustice: Gods Among Us. Nice. Yeah, I watched the uh, trailer for that. I'm sure a lot of you did as well. And uh, it, uh, it definitely looks really cool. I mean, obviously, it's a fighting game, so yeah. it's it's going to have that that fighting game mechanic and that fighting game plot, uh, which which it almost seems like we've already seen this with the uh, DC versus Mortal Kombat game that was out a few years ago. Well, but it's, uh, uh, it's by the same company, NetherRealm Studios, um, who are famous uh, for the Mortal Kombat games, and so it seems to be based on the same kind of uh, you know premise and same mach- you know engine. Um, and uh, you know it's it's a it's not one of those very um, high brain thing that you need to you know it's. You know, the superheroes go bad for some reason, and they can they fight each other. <laughs> it's very simple. <laughs> so uh, it's another one of these things where many of my internet, uh, I won't call them friends, uh, <laughs> will uh, will uh, have a problem with what I'm going to say here. But here again, we have Batman t- taking punches from Superman and being thrown in, throwing other people into space <laughs> and smashing through people through walls and. Uh, it's very, very funny to see. Yeah, and uh, the, they have put a kind of a Mortal Kombat spin on the costume designs for each of these characters with a real metallic uh, armor type of uh, appearance to each of these characters. 
which is not a bad look. It's something different. It's their own take, and um, yeah, it's still very recognisable as each of the heroes. But uh, it doesn't seem like doesn't like I said, not a very highbrow concept. But uh, still uh, a lot of fun for for fighting fanatics, for fighting game fanatics, and for DC uh, fans. Yeah, I mean, I'm da- I'm down to take a look at it for sure, yeah. and I actually like the look. I like the artwork. I like how it how it came about. The design uh, of all the uniforms is, is kind of cool. Yeah, so uh, that's in 2013. I think the first quarter, uh, titled Injustice: Gods Among Us. I'm sure we'll be hearing more about that as it gets closer to its release. Now, uh, before we move into our big questions segment of the show. Um, we should mention that the Superman celebration took place in Metropolis, Illinois uh, in uh, the second weekend of June, as it does every year. And this uh, this year they had, uh, as we mentioned before, John Glover, Cassidy Freeman, Gerard Christopher and John Rockwell were the special guests. George Perez was also there from the comic book world. And uh, the videos are starting to filter up onto the Superman homepage. We've got the Q&As for the Smallville stars, the Q&A for the Superboy stars, and the uh, Q&A for George Perez as well are all available on the Superman homepage, thanks to Jamie Kelly. And um, check those out while he gets ready the rest of the reports from the Superman celebration in Metropolis, Illinois. Yeah, um, it was a good time uh, for a lot of people. I've been hearing great things about it. Uh, they have a, uh, you know, there's a couple of Facebook pages for, yeah. for people who are fans of the celebration and uh you know, Steve and I were there in 2008. Uh, it sounds like we're trying to go back in 2013. Uh, you know, I'm not generally, I'm not a big fan of like street fair, uh, county fair type of feeling. And that's kind of what this is. But uh, but the idea that it's all Superman related and Superman based and, and there's a lot of Superman fans there. And everywhere you look, there's a, somebody with a Superman shirt on and then you got Superman celebrities. And it's uh, it's, it's, it's a really neat thing. It is, and uh, the Superman homepage meet and greet took place there on the Friday morning at the Hardy's uh, restaurant there, and it looks like you know we had about 100 people turn up, and uh, there were lots of DVDs and Blu-rays to give away, and Superman homepage badges to give away, so uh, uh, looking forward to seeing uh, the report from that. I've seen a lot of photos already from the meet and greet, and it looks like a lot of fun it's it's come a long way since the time that we met at the park bench behind the Superman statue on the grass there. Uh, now we've got an official, uh, you know, location, a, a room, an air-conditioned room, and uh, lots of people turning up and lots of prizes and giveaways each year. Great. Sounds fantastic. So uh, it'll be an absolutely enormous one if we can all get there next year for that uh, 2013 Superman celebration with the Man of Steel being released. And, uh, you know, with the, the 75th anniversary of Superman as well. So yeah, I'm like excited a, about that. Big one already planned for next year. Now, uh, before we move into the big question, I want to. Some people have been asking what happened to the Superman Last Son of Krypton and Supergirl Lost Daughter of Krypton audio dramas from Pendant Productions. Uh, unfortunately, they've had to stop uh, those fan made uh, audio dramas, and they're only concentrating on the original. Uh, creations of of their own, and so the uh, the properties of DC Comics and other Star Wars and whatever other ones they they did have had to be uh, they've stopped doing those of their own accord, uh, probably preempting any moves from uh, you know with copyright issues. But uh, they've stopped doing those and are concentrating on uh, creator owned uh, stories and audio dramas that they're continuing on from this point onwards. 
Yeah, I heard about that. It's uh, unfortunate, I guess, for people who are who are fans of those, and uh, I know people were disappointed in that uh, these stories didn't end, yeah. and and they weren't meant to end. Uh, you know, in general, they were supposed to go on and on and on, just like comics do. You know, a new story every month, but uh, for whatever reason, as you say, preemptive. I, my guess would be that uh, it's not preemptive, but that they were uh, they were sent a cease and desist, or they were asked to stop, or they know that it's coming. Otherwise, they would have had they would have been able to finish it out, um, or at least write a few. Because there's several months, and I've worked on a few of their episodes. Um, I, I'm Robin in the in the Batman thing, and uh, you know they 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 have you send in lines three and four months yeah. in advance and they have these shows done. So, uh, they had time to at least wrap it up if they weren't, uh, kind of under the gun and forced in some way. Yeah. So wait, and, uh, you know, if unfortunately they didn't get to finish those off, but, um, continue checking out pendantaudio.com for their creator owned audio dramas that, uh, are still very good. Let's start with the big question. Last month's question yeah. was submitted by uh, Chris G, and he asked, "Who is your favorite voice of Superman, and why?" That's right. Uh, Chris was, uh, uh, I think, he's uh, visually impaired, and so the uh, the audio versions of the character are what he um, really latches onto. And uh, he himself wrote in an answer. What did he have to say? Well, uh, he said, first of all, thanks for submitting this to the big question. I would have to say that my favorite is Bud Collier in The Adventures of Superman. The way he uh, switched from Clark Kent to Superman, you would think he was two people, and he didn't sound the same between the two roles. Thanks again for doing such a fine job. Your love of the character really shows with your dedication. Thank you very much, Chris, and uh, thanks once again for submitting such a great big question. Uh, We had quite a few responses, and further on we had Bob Moorhead who wrote, I am nowhere near old enough to have enjoyed the old radio show when it first aired, but I caught up with it a few years ago on MP3. No one beats Bud Collier's portrayal of Man of Steel. As a kid, I listened to his portrayal in the old Filmation cartoons. Because of that, to this day, it's Collier's voice in my head when I read a Superman comic book. Oh, that's cool. If I, was, if I was Collier, I would be so proud. I'm sure he's not around anymore. No, he's not. But I mean, for me, like a lot of these guys, you know, you hear about... Uh, certain actors who play superheroes kind of saying things like, I don't want to be attached with that for the rest of my life. I don't want to be remembered for that. You know, that's not all I do, this and that. And I understand that you want to have a wide and varied career. But uh, if I were ever asked to to portray uh, one of my favorite superheroes, I would be honored. And yeah. I, I, would, I would love the idea that children looked up to me and, and, and thought that I was – um, playing Superman or whatever. It's, and, uh, so it, it's interesting that you say that because originally Bud Collier didn't w- did not want to have anything to do with the Superman radio series. He was uh, tricked into uh, auditioning for it and then tricked into it again, and you know told him, oh, look, we'll probably never see the light of day." And um, he ended up playing the character for eleven years and absolutely loved it beyond that point. But uh, originally didn't want to have anything to do with it. Thought it was a silly idea. But uh, for 11 years, he did it on radio, and then for the, he also did it for the 1940s Fleischer cartoons, and then returned to the character in 1966 to do it for the Filmation cartoons. So that's, a, that's like something like 30 years of uh, being um, connected with the Superman character, and uh, that's, yeah, he, he is a definitive voice for, for Superman for many people, as we're hearing in these, quest- in these uh, responses. And you get one of those things where you see he must have clearly really gotten a lot of satisfaction oh, out of it sure. for him to keep going back and doing it. Yep. On the other hand, you, you have somebody like uh, Bella Lugosi who, who 
has got stuck kind of only playing those 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 monster roles and and uh kind of depressed and and dying broke and and kind of getting screwed out of any other opportunities so i can understand that that idea that you may not want to be associated with such a iconic thing that's kind of going to eclipse you uh but uh you know it seems like collier had a good time with it and yeah well, i uh, guess people... being a voice character makes it easier not to get uh typecast especially with someone as talented as he was he ended up going on to be ca- be a host of a tv game show which he was probably most known for as a visually for people who recognized him um but uh his voice is always going to be connected with superman now the other thing with that is a, b- a big schlub like me could actually play uh, robin uh, because uh, <laughs> yeah. you could only hear my voice. That's right. It doesn't you know, matter what you look like. They're not casting me as Robin in a live-action show. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, Calvin Bowes write, wrote in an answer. He's one of our regular uh, writers in. He said, uh, the answer to your question is easy. My favorite all-time audio representation of Soups is Bud Collier. He's also my favorite Superman. When you listen to him, you believe there's two separate actors playing Clark and Superman, and he very clearly defined both characters. Bud is my favorite all-time Superman. No one else comes close. Sorry, Kirk, George, Christopher, Dean, Brandon, and Henry, but Bud Bud Collier is the best. Yeah, well, uh, that's a pretty definitive answer there from uh, Calvin. His daughter, Starla, writes in, and she says, Today, for the first time, my daddy played a show for me that was incredible. It was a Superman radio show that he teamed up with Batman. I never listened to an old radio show before, but this was great, and the guy who played him, whose name escapes me, was the best I ever heard. I always thought that the stories would be done without pitches, but I was mesmerized by that guy's performance. I wish I knew his name, but he's the best audio Superman. Well, we can tell you, Stella, that his name is Bud Collier. Bud Collier. <laughs> uh, Argent L. wrote in, Hey, Scott, Steve, I can't comment on which audio version of Superman I like the best, as I also haven't heard very many of them. I do remember a comedian once doing his version of the George Reeves Superman TV episode, the brainy burrow in fake spanish i can't recall how he did superman but i remember thinking you really could tell when it was jimmy and certainly when it was the burrow i think i hear tim daly when i read the comics although sometimes i still hear christopher reeve so it goes to show that even in the film versions the voice is just as important as the visuals as for smallville i prefer it in a completely finished and beautifully printed book and the sooner the better of course cheers thank you argent uh, some great thoughts there not a mention of bud collier Yes. <laughs> now, uh, Hector writes in and he says, I like The Last Son of Krypton from Pennant Production because it's the only audio I heard of Superman so far. <laughs> Sadly, they're, they're gone. Sorry to hear that, uh, Hector. <laughs> uh, but uh, maybe you just want to go back and listen to a couple minutes yeah, earlier. Play him. <laughs> uh, Joe uh, Sergi or Sergey or Sergi wrote. Obviously, Bud Collier invented the Superman voice, but that's too easy. And while the graphic audio's James Konachek does an amazing job as the Man of Steel and also Commissioner Gordon, which was surreal, my vote for the best portrayal goes to the lead actor in the Kingdom Come audiobook. I think it was Mike Mirian, but I could be wrong. He was heroic and determined and perfectly captured the weariness and frustration of having old-fashioned values in a modern world. Yeah, I remember the Kingdom Come audio uh, book, and uh, yes, it was Mike Mirren was the, the voice actor for that role. He did a very good job uh, of that. It was very believable as uh, an older Superman, so um, a nice uh, nod to him there from from Joe. Now, Mikey B sent us in an audio response, as he does from time to time, so let's, what, let's hear what Mikey had to say. Hey, Steve. Hey, Scotty. It's Mikey B. Well, I guess I thought I'd do another audio spo- response for an audio question. Um, just 
it's pretty simple for me. It's a Superman radio series from the 1940s. Um, I especially like Superman vs. Adam Man. I just I had borrowed that from the library and uh, CD set, and it was just great to listen to. And uh, they're just fun. They're they're really well done. They're they're fun to listen to. The voice acting is generally very good. Um, so that would probably be my favorite. But I got to tell you, there's just there's just so many great um, audio uh, experiences with Superman. It doesn't matter if you listen to one of the soundtracks. Um, you know, I know there's some some books um, that are that have audio versions, and uh, there's a, there's just a great a lot of great uh, Superman audio. But uh, yep, again, Superman the radio series. Okay, guys, great job as always. Take care. Well, there you go. Another vote for Bud Collier. Bud Collier seems to have taken it in yeah. a landslide. Now, um, everyone mentions in some in all those responses pretty much about how Bud Collier portrayed. Superman and Clark Kent as two separate people, and you could believe that you know it was two separate people. Now I've got a clip here from uh, an episode of the 1940s radio series. Um, it was called "Last of the Clipper Ships," and it aired in uh, March and April of 1941. And here it's what you'll find that to set this up is uh, Clark Kent, Jimmy Olsen, and uh, another young kid—I forget his name at the moment are in a um, a dungeon of an old ship and uh, the candle or the light, the oil lamp, is uh, about to go out and um, it's uh, to Clark's benefit because while he's chained up with Jimmy and the other young lad, uh, he can't do anything as Superman to, uh, to break them free. And so in the pitch blackness of their cell, um, he makes out that Superman has also appeared in there and what you're going to hear is Bud Collier playing both roles of Clark Kent and Superman and even having a conversation with himself. So um, have a listen to Bud Collier. The oil lamp is starting to flicker. That means it's going out, Philip. Yes, that means it's going out. The oil is all used up. All right, it's going out. So what? If it goes, see, it's out. Fine. I hope that's the end of that. Hey, ain't that swell? It's pitch black in here. The light ain't shining in my eyes no more. And get some shut-eye now. You're going to get as sick of the darkness as you did of that light. Oh, now I'm starting to talk about it. Now to make use of the darkness. Did you say something, Mr. Kent? Yes, uh, I said I, I thought there was someone in here with us. Someone in this dungeon with us? Well, there wasn't anyone in here when the light went out. But there is someone here now, Jim. <laughs> Superman. Don't be silly, Jim. Who is it? Who's in here? Jim's right. Superman. I've come to help you, all of you. Superman? Is that the guy that... No time for talk, Pug. You can talk later. Now, listen to me. This is what I want to do. You two boys are going to stay down here for a while. Yes, sir. Well, wait a minute. What about me, Superman? You, Mr. Kent, are going to come with me. I may need you. Now, here, let me get you out of those irons. Boy, listen to that guy bust those chains. Hey, uh, uh, Mr. Bust out, No, not now. I must work fast. If you're all set, Mr. Kent, come along with me. Yes, sir. I'm all set. Well, if you never believed in Superman before, Mr. Kent, you better start believing in him now. All right, you boys. You'll stay here till I accomplish what I've come for. I'll return or send someone to release you. All right, Kent. Let's go. That door is locked, mister, and it's a heavy door made of oak. Hey, do you think One you're going to... One stroke with my fist against the lock. <laughs> hey, Jim, you hear that? He's done it. And now, Mr. Kent, after you. You see, Pug, I told you it was Superman. I told you he was... 
It worked. My trick of talking to myself in two voices worked perfectly. Oh, thank heaven I was able to assume my guise of Superman without revealing my identity to the boys. <laughs> that was funny. He keeps laughing to himself, too. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I mean, how, how, you know, it just sounds like two different people, doesn't it? It does very much. It's, 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 it's very cool. So uh, that's from the 1941 uh, episode from the Superman radio series. All right, well, uh, what's our new big question for this month, Scott? Well, before we get into that, I just want to show you that mm-hmm. Bud Collier, you know, but I can do it too. Oh, okay, okay. please, so, yeah, this know, is great. Here I go. Hey, you guys, this is me, it's Superman. No, 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 it's Clark. See? That's, See how good? Yeah, very believable. I mean, you can't even tell that it's the same person. Not it's, at all. Fantastic. That's amazing. <laughs> Our new big question is, uh, which is the best Superman DC Universe animated movie to date and why? Yeah, well, uh, it's, uh, it's a difficult choice for me. Uh, Superman vs. Elite is obviously the one I've just seen. It's probably, like I said, the most adult of the films. So um, I'm leaning towards that one at the moment, maybe because it's the most freshest in my memory. But I'm also, also partial to the Superman, Batman, uh, Public Enemies and Superman, Batman... Apocalypse, so uh, they were both pretty good as well. Yeah, we'll have to uh, we'll have to rack our brains and see if we can come up with a reason why one should be better than another. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we want to know your thoughts out there. What do you think is the best Superman DC Universe animated movie to date? I don't think we're going to get be going to be getting a lot of votes for uh, Brainiac Attacks somehow. Oh, you think? <laughs> well, you, you think that, that that nothing's going to come in for that, huh? Yeah. Well, I'm holding out hope because. I do. Uh, I do so like the Lex Luthor of that series. Mm, yeah, the uh, the Luau Lex Luthor. Yes, indeed. So uh, let us know. Get involved with the big question segment of the show by uh, sending in your entry to this month's big big question. Uh, you can do that by clicking on the big question button found at the Superman homepage, um, and uh, we'll read out the responses next month. Or like Mikey B did, you can send in an audio response as an MP3 file. And we will play that in here in this next edition of Radio KAL. I personally am looking forward to the season twelve uh, Smallville animated uh, DC Universe movie. <laughs> nice, nice. Yes, don't get excited, everyone. I do this every month. Only one thing alive with less than four legs can hear this frequency, Superman, and that's you. Uh Last month's sound came from the movie Superman Returns and was a line spoken by the character Richard White. Ten people guessed it correctly, and they were Edward Cianti, Brandon, Brendan Savinsky, Rick Ruiz, Brian Pride, Matthew Epps, Brandon Whitmore, Landon, Mikey B, Argent L, and Joe Sergi. Yeah, I'm not making up these names just to try to trip you. You know, to get your tongue twisted, they, they're, they're real respondents for the secret soundbite. And uh, congratulations to all those 10 people for guessing it right. And we had a lot this month. Yeah, it's uh, a few more than we've had for quite a while. Let's see if they and more can guess where in the world this new super secret soundbite comes from. You think I'd be crazy enough to meet you without some kind of protection? Well, if you think you know where in the world of Superman that sound came from... Use the super secret soundbite entry form found at the Superman homepage and send your entry in. Each person will have their name read out and probably mispronounced by Scotty V next month <laughs> on Radio KAL. How dare you! 
Maybe you'll sing it next month. Wouldn't that be great to hear you sing everybody's names? Sing all their names? Well, let's hope there's like three respondents next month. The Superman song song, for this month is Ride Superman Ride. Depending on how you read that, it could come off in a different way. Uh, By Stomp Gordon and his orchestra. This was the B-side of their 1956 vinyl single, Oh Tell Me Why. Here it is, Ride Superman Ride by Stump Gordon and his orchestra. Was it a bird? No, no. Was it a plane? No, no. Was it a buzzard? No, no. Well, what was it then? Mr. Superman. the show for another month stomp gordon everybody yes uh, i wonder if stomp's still alive uh, probably not uh, if it was a 56 release but um ride superman ride was definitely uh, an interesting one to listen to now uh, remember the superman homepage radio kal is uh, is open for your suggestions if you think there's a topic that we should be discussing if you think there's a song you'd like to hear played on radio kal 
Maybe there's a big question you'd like to pose to the fans out there. You can send in all those suggestions to us. You can email me via steve at supermanhomepage.com or you can grab Scotty at scotty at supermanhomepage.com and we will uh, endeavour to use those suggestions in a future podcast. But for now, that's our show. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you, Steve. And remember, everyone, always look up in the sky. You've been listening to Radio KAL from supermanhomepage.com. Thank you.